you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 42, Dalek Story Review. I am, as always, one of the hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. You would make a good Dalek. But I don't want to be a Dalek. Ah! (laughs) Hey, man, what's up? How's it going? It's Uh, been a bit since we've actually recorded together. Did you miss me last week? I missed recording with you, yes, but I was having so much fun at the convention that I didn't have time to think about missing you. Is that bad? Uh, Is that bad? <laughs> it's 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 bad that we haven't ever gotten to go to a convention together. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Because I think that would be really cool. Uh, one of these days. Hey, maybe we'll get to actually go to, you know, London or something one day. That would, that would be, be cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we are hitting the ground running and getting back into our Dalek story reviews. But before we jump into this episode's story, we want to hit on a couple of quick news items real quick. Just some things that we wanted to mention and talk about. You've probably already seen these on the Internet if you're paying attention. But, Paul, what, what's the, the first one we want to mention here? The first one is the speculation before that Bill was going to possibly be from the 80s. Mm-hmm. There has been an official release from Stephen Moffat that kind of dashed our hopes and dreams, uh, you know, because he said that Bill is actually going to be from present day, from 2017. Right. So, and and the only reason why she looks like that is because Pearl Mackey picked out her own costume, and that's correct. what she chose. Yeah. So she's being a hipster. Being a hipster. <laughs> Honestly, she looks like a drama kid dressing up as a hipster. As someone who was in the theater program at college, that's a look that's very familiar to me. So um, <laughs> let's just put it 
you know, considering she's also in theater, I'm not surprised. No, I'm kidding, sort of. Um, <laughs> well, it just feels like a slight missed opportunity for me because I think it would have been nice to have seen someone out of their own time from the beginning. I, I think it would have been a nice uh, uh, counterbalance, I think, with the Doctor, you know. I think one of these days we'll get that, but not this time around, apparently. I mean, I just think it would have been interesting if she's never seen things like, you know, an iPhone or, right. you know, even a car phone, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. And then she can comment on how silly we are in our modern age, and it would be yeah. great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's all you do is stick your head in your phone. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so you can do everything from your phone. You what is, your what is a Facebook, you know? Yeah. <laughs> is it a book with faces? <laughs> Twitter? What's Twitter? You send a tweet? What kind of bird do you tweet as? You know. Sounds like twit to me. Exactly. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Uh, you know, not from the 80s is Bill. And I, I did also see something that, you know, people were speculating on what Bill is short for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I'm sure it's short for something. And, you know, he even referenced Billy Piper. We'll right. just have to wait and see. If that's revealed. <laughs> we had one other story that you wanted to talk about. I know you're excited about this idea. Well, you just talked about it yourself. Yeah, the uh, the eighth doctor, uh, Paul McGann. Not you. Uh, no, not me. Uh, the actual eighth doctor, Paul McGann, said uh, basically in what can be considered as official as it can be, I guess, because it, it was uh, made at a, at a con, mm-hmm. uh, said that he wanted – to come back and play the Eighth Doctor again, if possible, at least for another episode or two. But if if he could do it, he really wanted to come back and do a spinoff series, uh, maybe for a season or something. That would be kind of like a prequel series to the series that we got in 2005. Yeah, to the modern series. So. I think that would really be nice to see a tie-in series, even if it's only, you know, like a mini series or something like, uh, like the episodes that we get of Sherlock, you know? Right. Well, we could, I mean, I could see it doing, uh, something similar to what they did with agents of shield and, uh, agent Carter where agents of shield went on temporary hiatus, uh, between fall and spring and agent Carter filled the gap in the middle. I think that would be really cool. I like it. I like the idea, and I would be totally behind it, much more than uh, behind this this class spinoff. That's <laughs> I mean, even, even if it's just a series of specials, you know. Right, which is essentially what Sherlock, Sherlock is um, at this point. <laughs> well, it's it's almost like a trilogy of movies every season as opposed to an actual season. That is true. You know, I, you know even if it's three or four episodes, I think that would be something really cool to see. Oh, I agree. And it's not like you have any bias in this, you know, <laughs> topic that you've, you know, actually advocated for, you know, before. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I signed a petition for that. <laughs> <laughs> not that those actually work, but you know, hey, I have to put my voice out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I I think that would be great too, and um, you know, especially if they end up taking another extended break like this one, you know, you could fit it in between. Mm-hmm. You know, seasons or something, or even like a regular season. You could, you know, you could have, you know, series ten end, and then while Chibnall is getting 
series 11 up and running and you know taking the reins you could have somebody else making this eighth doctor spin-off miniseries that'll you know air in you know september or something maybe uh, Russell t davies could come back for a season you know? or you know stephen moffat will go ah oh, one last doctor who run why not and he'll do it, <laughs> you know who knows <laughs> you know uh, or you know you could get paul mcgann to you know you know produce the whole thing that could work yeah of course the, there is one other option mm-hmm. uh mark gatiss could could produce an, a season you know i would be okay with that <laughs> i mean it's not like he doesn't know the subject matter you know right, right. <laughs> and he could also be involved in uh a lot of the writing exactly yeah no i why not come on <laughs> folks let's get let's get this done Let, let's Let's get Paul McGann on screen as the Doctor again. Of course, you know we'll be looking forward to seeing if there's any new news that actually comes out at maybe San Diego Comic Con about the new series. You know, who knows? They they've had a couple of big announcements at San Diego Comic Con the last couple of years. So when that starts rolling around in the next month or two, we'll see if Doctor Who has any uh, big announcements for us. There is one rumor that I just remembered that Peter Capaldi. Um, has supposedly secretly filmed some shots for the new series of Class so that he is supposed to have at least some kind of cameo appearance at some point. Hmm. At least that's the rumor that I've, that I've seen. Um, and there is one more rumor. Well, it's not technically a rumor. It's actually a, a flub on Mike at a con um, where Peter Capaldi was talking about he doesn't know how well the memory wipe took and he doesn't know how well it worked to make him forget Clara because, and he said, because there's something that I just got finished. Oh, I can't talk about that. (laughs) 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 So apparently it's either a flashback or something that supposedly been filmed that has Clara in it or that he mentions Clara in it or something. Hmm. Oops. <laughs> so, yeah. And one last bit of news before we get into our episode. All those who enjoyed the Husbands of River Song as our Christmas special last year, guess what? Nardal's back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is apparently somehow going to be coming back as a regular or semi-regular, possibly, for uh, Series 10. So we don't know how because the last time we saw him he was just a head in a robot body. Right. So, Unless they're bringing the robot back, you know. Which could be funny you know, in itself. <laughs> they, they give him his own body back. <laughs> you have his his head walking around in the the Baymax body <laughs> and who glad I'm out. Not so whiffy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that could actually add some humor to see that. Mm-hmm. And if <laughs> if he's back, is River back? Mm. Well, you know, there has been some speculation that since uh, one night lasts 24 years that we could see another episode with her and Peter in it mm-hmm. that takes place on that same planet. So It's entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and uh, jump into our story review. Spoilers.
This episode, we are talking about the episode Dalek, featuring Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor and Billy Piper as Rose Tyler. This is, of course, from the first season of the Revival series that started up in 2005. It was written by Robert Shearman, directed by Joe Ahern, I think is how you pronounce that, and was originally aired on April 30th of 2005. It's not when I first watched it, but that's when it first came out. <laughs> when it first came out. I, I watched it much later. <laughs> I think I saw it in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Uh, like right right before the second season was supposed to be released on uh, Sci-Fi Channel. What are your thoughts on Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor and Billy Piper as Rose Tyler? I know we've done an episode on Rose, so we'll, we'll keep it shorter. I'll just uh, be honest with you. I think Christopher Eccleston is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and and here's the crazy part, you know, because he only had one season. It's like everybody thinks about it and they're like, yeah, he did a really good job. I enjoyed him as the doctor. But then you don't really remember just how good it was until you go back and watch it again. And then when you watch it again, you're like, I want to watch the next episode. (laughs) I want to watch the next episode, you know. Yeah, uh, I sent Jason a message today, and I said, you know, after I rewatched that episode, it makes me want to go back and review the next episode in line, too. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not protocol, but I just feel like doing it, you know? Yeah, it's. I love Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor. The dynamic is so different and yet so familiar at the same time, you know? It's like catching lightning in a bottle. You just... He's hard to compare any other doctor too because well he, he, i mean i think i think if you were to try a comparison he's probably you know the two doctors that i would think are most similar to him are probably the sixth and seventh doctors you think so and when i say seventh i'm meaning in his later seasons when he's a lot more brooding and mm-hmm. uh, but that's because the sixth and seventh doctors are the ones that tend to get angrier about right. things and right. and this doctor has so much pain and hurt and rage and anger about what he's seen and what he's done or what he believes he's done, that that just sort of lies right beneath the surface. And especially in this episode comes out <laughs> when you don't want to see it sometimes. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing too, though, is that he, he can flip it on a dime. You know, he can go from the angry brooding doctor to suddenly you see that big, goofy tom baker grin (laughs) right and he he doesn't copy tom baker he makes it his own but it's familiar Mm -hmm. enough that you recognize that character right and i i think honestly i think that he was ideal for for uh relaunching this series because he can play it in so many different ways and it still feels like the same character don't skip over nine. Oh, folks. please. It's oh, it's so great. So great. And we'll talk about it here, but this is one <laughs> of his best episodes, in my opinion. I'm not especially. saying that every single episode of the season is perfect. I'm not saying that. But his portrayal of the Doctor in every single episode of the season is perfect. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then Rose Tyler was a great way to you know kick off the new series with a companion. So she's... Got a lot to do, and uh, well, she brought. It was very accessible. She brought the youth that you had with Ace, mm-hmm. but she brought a different attitude. I think 
than Ace had. Right. And that could just be because of the, the change in the time period or whatever. But it was, I think, a good contrast because Eccleston, even though he didn't look like a really old character, had that performance that made him feel like a very old character. Yeah. Even though he could be, you know, jovial and and giddy and like a kid sometimes, he still came off as that older character. And it was that nice contrast between the age and the youth playing off of one another. Right. And you could see how each one affected the other because she brought some of his innocence back as the season progressed. And he taught her how to be more mature and, and grow up more as a, as a character. Mm-hmm. And, and so that right. it kind of, it kind of fit by the time you got to the next stage of the story, you can see how they sort of mesh even better, you know, towards the end of that season. All right. Let's start getting into the episode before we get into the details. Uh, just real quick, general thoughts on the episode Dalek. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> I actually, I, I might like this one better than the next one we're going to talk about. I might. It's kind of hard for me to decide, but I, I like the fact that they can take the plot of this story, which is pretty straightforward, pretty linear. You know, it's not super complicated. They can take it and make it such a dynamic story in its simplicity. I, I think that that it says a lot about how well this is put together. No, it's a it's a great story, a great episode, and it, it is one of the highlights of Christopher Eccleston's performance in this season. He gives it his all in this story, and it's it's painful to watch sometimes because of how tortured he is. Yeah, it is really one of the best episodes. Of his season. But I did notice I did notice something this time around when I watched it, because I've seen this episode at least five or six times. Mm-hmm. I did notice that it feels very different watching it after you see the 50th anniversary episode than it did before you watch the 50th anniversary episode. You know, having that knowledge of what is to come right. changes your entire perspective of how you watch the episode. This episode is actually an adaptation of an audio story produced by Big Finish. Um, really? Yeah, it's called, the, the audio story is called Jubilee, and it's actually written by the same guy, uh, uh, Robert Shearman. He wrote the audio story and the episode, so the adaptation of his own audio story. And it, the audio story actually has Colin Baker. So... Um, Hmm. Now, on the the TARDIS wiki, there's not much of a synopsis on that audio story, so I'm not exactly sure what it's all about, but that's just something that I found in my research, is that it's a bit of an adaptation by the same guy. So so. It was basically just taken and updated for the new series. Kind of, I guess. Um, Hmm. So yeah, updated for the new Doctor, the new Companion, the new series, and all that fun stuff. So yeah, that might be interesting to go back and find Jubilee which is the name of the audio story. All right, let's get into the details here. The Doctor and Rose land in an underground bunker in Utah in 2012, which 
it's funny to say since we're past that now, but <laughs> that was still seven years away from when this episode was originally uh, aired. Right. And they find themselves in this, this basically a museum of, of all sorts of alien artifacts and body parts, you know, because there's a Sladeen hand there, stuff from the Roswell crash. Oh, yeah. And there's the head of a Cyberman. Yeah. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting because uh, it's the classic Cyberman head. And mm-hmm. Rose says something to the effect of, uh, do you recognize him or something like that? And he says, it's an old friend of sorts. More like an old enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, and then he makes the, the remark that he's getting old, you know, which, <laughs> especially in the news series, the, the doctor doesn't like admitting that he's old. You know, he likes to be showy and show off how, how cool he is and how awesome he is. And <laughs> he likes to be able to save the day and all this right. stuff. And even, even though you've got, you know, moments where Matt Smith has this weightiness of, of, you know, being ancient in certain scenes. He doesn't like to talk about it. And so I just found it interesting that he, he comes and he sees this, this old foe in a glass case in a museum, basically. It hits him. I'm getting old, you know. You almost get the impression, though, that when he's looking at all of this, that he almost feels a little nervous because mm-hmm. he's... When's it his turn? Yeah, when's it my turn to be put in the glass case and put on display? <laughs> right. Of course, he, he touches the, the glass there and, you know, alarms go off and guards rush in and take them captive. Turns out the vault, which is what this giant underground complex is called, is run by Henry Van Staten, a businessman, you know, worth billions and claims to own the Internet. Of course, the doctor meets Van Staten when Van Staten's researcher, Adam Mitchell, uh, is, is bringing him various different pieces that he's acquired at auctions. And there's one that looks very bizarre, and they're trying to figure out what it could be. And the doctor comes in and goes, I wouldn't hold it like that. Why, is it dangerous? No, it just looks funny. <laughs> but, you know, it turns out that it's a, a musical instrument. The doctor shows everyone how it works, and Van Staten gets very interested and, you know, tries it out and gets it to work, and then just toss it aside as he decides to figure out who the Doctor is and decides the Doctor needs to come see his Metaltron, mm-hmm. which is his only living specimen, because since the Doctor is an expert, or appears to be an expert, he wants the Doctor's opinion on this. And then since, you know, Rose is British and Adam is British, he says, ah, you know, you go have fun. Yeah, do whatever uh, you British people do, you know. <laughs> can- canoodle or spoon or something. <laughs> Thanks. Well, you know. This was another one of those instances, I think, where uh, they were making jokes at Americans' expense, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, some of us look at it and we know it's all in good fun, but, you know. (laughs) Right, right. But the Metaltron is being held in the cage, and they've been trying to get it to talk, but it's only screamed so far. And so they let the doctor go in, and it's dark, and he can't see what the Metaltron is. And so he starts saying, I'm here to help, and he introduces himself, and that was his first mistake. I'm the doctor. I'm here to help. Right. And then... Doctor! And we see the characteristic <laughs> lights on the side of the dome flash with the, the words, and then the lights come on. He keeps repeating, Doctor! Doctor! You know? <laughs> and then the doctor's like, it, it's impossible. This can't be. And this is one of the few times you see the doctor actually get scared. Oh, he's terrified. And as the lights come on, we are shown in full 
the Dalek chained up between these pillars and it's all beaten up and damaged and in terrible This reminded shape. me a little bit of uh, the episode that we watched with the seventh doctor where he's beating on the door saying, let me out, let me out. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Ace isn't on the other side to let him out. And he has no idea where Rose is. <laughs> right. And uh, so he's stuck in there with the Dalek and the Dalek starts saying exterminate and we are bracing for the inevitable and it doesn't come. The Dalek's weapon isn't working because it's so damaged and the doctor breathes a sigh of relief and starts laughing in the dalek's face and starts mocking the dalek mercilessly this Uh, is where it seems like everything came to a head because of everything we've seen so far from the fourth doctor all the way through the seventh doctor and then of course we find out later the war doctor and So this seems like everything has accumulated to this point where he literally just looks like he's about to lose it. He hates the Daleks. And the Dalek, this Dalek is apparently way out of the loop, has no idea what happened with the time war, has no idea really how he got to Earth. All we know is that it fell from the sky 50 years ago. And burned for three days. Yeah, streamed for three whole days. That's just, if you think about it, that's just kind of horrific, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, and, of course, the, the doctor tells the Dalek that the Daleks were all wiped out during the Time War. He did it. He knows that that's yeah. the case. He was there. Uh, He's the one that made it happen. And mm. then the Dalek asks about the Time Lords, and he goes, they're all dead, too. You know? They burned with you, I think, is what he said. Yeah. So the Dalek makes the observation that they are each the last of their kind and that they are the same. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor takes umbrage with this. Not offense. <laughs> It, we're past offense. He takes umbrage. He loses um, his stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's essentially frothing at the mouth. You know, this is when Christopher Eccleston gets so into the scene and so into the character that he's just, you, you see him spitting all over the place. He's so pissed at mm-hmm. this Dalek. He's frothing at the mouth and saying that they're nothing like each other they're they are not the same then he pauses you know maybe we are because i know what you deserve so he's going to finish the war the doctor is going to finish the war right there in the cage and goes over to the control panels and starts pulling levers electrocuting the dalek and if the current keeps going and it keeps you know getting increased the dalek will die this is of course when van satin decides to finally intervene uh, because he doesn't want his specimen damaged he didn't care if the doctor died (laughs) right and so Van Staten sends in his guards to stop the doctor, and the, Van Staten orders the Dalek to recognize him and talk to him, and the Dalek just stares yeah. at him, stone silent, refusing to acknowledge him. That's when he starts the torture back up, because he said, he will speak to me. We cut away with the Dalek screaming again. They sort of download all the information with the doctor after this, and this is where we get the story of how the Dalek came to be, and then Van Staten notes that, you know, the Dalek isn't the only alien on Earth now. He's got something else to add to his collection. Because he listened into the entire conversation. Oh, yeah. So he knows exactly what got said. Exactly. And so, of course, the Doctor is chained up and being scanned by this very invasive laser scanning machine that's apparently extremely painful. Doesn't look very pleasant either. Ah, binary cardiovascular system. This is just great. <laughs> you know, he's he's fascinated from a very off-putting, purely out for the money sort of way. 
crowd. I'm just going to say this up front because I saw this right off the bat, which I the first mm-hmm. time I saw this, I did not make this parallel. And I don't even think I did the second time. But this time it was very clear to me. Did you notice the parallels between Van Staten and Davros in this episode? How so? In that the, they neither one have any value of life whatsoever you know their their project or their experiment is always more important than any life that gets sacrificed in the process it's Mm. it's always do whatever you have to do to protect my interest i don't care who dies because of it and and so to me i noticed a direct parallel with that the doctor even made the parallel when he was saying that the daleks were created by a madman an evil genius and he basically said that van staten was just like him that is true except you know rather than creating things from scratch like davros does uh, van staten scavenges yeah he finds alien artifacts gleans what information they can from it and then casts them aside basically casts them aside and then turns around and sells technology creates technology based off of what he learns. So, you know, broadband was from Roswell technology. Oh, and then they uh, found the cure to the common cold in bacteria from the Russian crater. But, of course, they're not going to release that when they can create hundreds of derivative solutions, you know, that don't actually cure the cold, just, you know, treat it. Right. Uh, you know, and make more money that way. And then he, he says something to the doctor about... He's fascinated with the stars and that he loves the stars and that he wants to to study everything that comes from the stars. And the doctor says, no, you don't. All you want to do is take the stars and lock them up underground where nobody can ever see them or appreciate them. You are as far from the stars as you can get. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good moment. Considering, yeah, considering the vault is at least 50 floors below ground. Yeah. Meanwhile, Adam is showing Rose all of his... Things that he hasn't cataloged yet and, you know, what he has to do. And Rose is, of course, intrigued by the living specimen and is like, well, uh, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I guess. Then why are you up here and not down there? You know, he doesn't let me in. But I do watch in on the communication system sometimes, <laughs> you know. And so he pulls it up for Rose to impress her. This is where I was thinking, okay, is she really into this guy, or is she kind of manipulating him so that she can get what she wants? And I think it's a bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think that at least in her opinion, he's a bit of a pretty boy, Uh, and I think that she's not past noticing that. Uh, But at the same time, she's not past manipulating him to get what she wants out of the situation either. (laughs) Right, because she wants to see this living specimen too, you know, to see if it's something familiar. Because Adam starts talking about all these different things that could be out there, that he's convinced are out there. And she's like, oh, yeah, that sounds very, very cool. Uh, Fascinating. She's already seen most of them. Right. You know. (laughs) But, of course, he pulls up the feed of what's going on in the cage, and they see the guy that's torturing the Dalek at work. And he looks like he's enjoying Um, himself, actually. uh, Just a little too much. Uh, That's messed up. Yeah. And, of course... Not knowing what a Dalek is and how dangerous it is, Rose goes, oh, no, he's torturing the Dalek. We need to stop that and talks Adam into immediately, you know, running down and, uh, you know, putting a stop to what's going on, which they do. And she goes in to talk to the Dalek and she's being very sympathetic towards it. And there's a pause 
The dialogue doesn't answer her immediately, and she continues on. And then it answers her first question. You know, are you in pain? And it says, yes, I am in pain. And it's one of those things where it's like the Dalek was sizing her up, was scanning her, and it was determining, ah, this is someone that could, you know, be useful to me, and then decided to play the sympathy card in order to get her attention and her sympathies. But it also seems like it's never had anyone show it pity before. So it's intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. And so during the course of that conversation, you know, it talks about how, you know, in pain it is, how lonely it is and how it doesn't want to die alone. And uh, Rose goes to touch it. And because she's a time traveler, it absorbs that residual time energy from her. Mm -hmm. And the Dalek is essentially able to regenerate itself to its proper undamaged, fully armed and operational battle station. I mean, <laughs> it's fully formed, uh, armed and operational Dalek form. Well, the the inside, not the outside, because once he's... Oh, that's true. Once he's repaired himself on the inside, then he uses the technology in the station itself to rebuild his battle tank. That is, that is true. And that is something I had actually forgotten at one point, because uh, that was one of the things that I had thought that I was going to have to bring up in this review is why would he have repaired his battle tank just by her touching him? But then I remembered that he actually used the technology from the station to do that, that, that with. You're right. But of course, <laughs> you know, it, it starts, you know, screaming like a Dalek and, you know, threatening to exterminate and Rose and Adam get out of there. Lickety split. The only reason they were able to get out is because it hadn't repaired its gun yet. Right. But... Don't forget how it used its suction hand to, uh, uh, <laughs> to smother to, and to, crush. To kill its torturer. Yes. It literally, for lack of a better term, vacuumized the guy's head. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, first funny and then absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Like that sucker on your oh god, what did you just do? You know. Well, I remember uh seeing Russell T. Davies talking about the Daleks and the fact that he wanted everything on that battle tank to have a purpose for being the way that it was. And so he devised different ways for the sucker and the the orbs mm -hmm. on the sides and everything to have a purpose for being there, right. not just for decoration or whatever. Right. And so he directly used that method in, in the telling of the story because he wanted people to be able to go back then and look at the classic series and understand, oh, that's the reason why they look that way. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Which was nice to see. It was nice to see purposes and uses for all these different things right. that had just been there for so long. Of course, after it's, you know, repaired itself completely, it, it decides it's going to escape, as one does when you've been tortured and imprisoned for over 50 years. <laughs> and it's doing so with a vengeance. <laughs> well, it decodes the keypad first. Decodes the keypad, punches into a computer screen that the doctor is on, gets out, downloads the internet. <laughs> the entirety of the internet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, granted, in, you know, 2012, even, uh, wasn't quite as big as it is now. <laughs> but, man, that Dalek's got to have some memory space. <laughs> That's the reason why it knew who everybody was and stuff. Yep. You know, it, it knew who Rose was without ever hearing her name is because it downloaded everything from the Internet. Yeah, including her Facebook <laughs> page, I'm sure. <laughs> right, back then, it would have probably been MySpace. That's but, true. You know. That is true. 
and it probably pulled up her dental and school records and all that fun stuff too you know <laughs> but yeah downloads the internet and of course adam rose and female guard who's protecting them run up the stairs and they try and taunt it because big scary you know war machine can't get upstairs and then it just looks at them and says elevate right and starts hovering up the stairs that was actually written in there because of the fact that people used to make jokes about that in the classic series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though in our, our previous classic episode, Remembrance of the Daleks, we saw a Dalek hovering up the stairs. Right. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still something that he wanted to address because right. of that. Exactly. You know. You know, it's the first time we're seeing the Dalek in the new series. We need to know, hey, this sucker is dangerous, you know. And the whole thing's dangerous, too, <laughs> not just the sucker. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> hey, th they put those things to use again in the future, oh, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, of course, everyone, all the guards down in those levels, uh, completely decimated by the Dalek. We get several instances where guards have it pinned down or they think they have it pinned down, and the Dalek just keeps finding ways to kill them all without breaking a sweat, basically. And it's just unstoppable at this point. And, and the whole time Van Stanton's going, don't shoot it. Don't shoot it. It's, you know, I want to, you know, have it for, you know, posterity or the whatever. Posterity, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, dude, are you crazy? You know? Yes, he is. <laughs> and his assistant, his secretary, is, keeps getting more horrified and disgusted at him the more he opens his mouth. Goddard is her name. Well, her... her her predecessor got his memory wiped right in front of yeah. her, you know, basically. And, and, and left in Miami, <laughs> Minneapolis. Some place that started, started with an M. M. <laughs> God. He's a jerk, to put it yeah. mildly. Right. I'm just going to say this up front because I saw this right off the bat, which I the first time I saw this, I did not make this parallel. And I don't even think I did the second time. Mm -hmm. But this time, it was very clear to me. Did you notice the parallels between Van Staten and Davros in this episode. How so? In that the, they neither one have any value of life whatsoever. You know, their their project or their experiment is always more important than any life that gets sacrificed in the process. Mm. It's it's always do whatever you have to do to protect my interest. I don't care who dies because of it. Yeah. And, and so to me, I noticed a direct parallel with that. The doctor even made the parallel when he was saying that the Daleks were created by a madman, an evil genius. Mm -hmm. And he basically said that Van Staten was just like him. That so. is true. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. yeah. He's awful. Just, he's subhuman. <laughs> <laughs> Some would consider him highly evil. No, anyways. <laughs> uh. But the doctor determines that they have to seal off the vault. And so he and Van Staten are working together, Van Staten, because he wants to save his own skin, in order to get the systems back up and running so they can close the bulkheads and trap the Dalek down at the lower levels. The unfortunate thing is that Rose and Adam are still down below where they need to close off the vault. Before they, uh, they get the bulkheads closed, the last instance of communication between the doctor and the Dalek, the, you know, through the communication system there in the vault, uh, the doctor is just livid with the Dalek and asks, why don't you just die? Tells him to just commit suicide, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Dalek just sort of looks at him 
through the communication system and says, you would make a good Dalek. You would make a good Dalek. <laughs> uh, which has its desired effect on the Doctor. That's uh, not the uh, that's not the only time that the Doctor's been told that either. No, no, we'll get to a couple more of those at least. Yeah, I think the twelfth is told that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if Tennant or Smith are told that, but I know at least Capaldi has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a limited amount of power and a limited amount of time in which to get that sealed off, and they need to do it fast. The Dalek is right behind Rose and Adam, and they're running down the hall towards the door as the Doctor has to seal it off. Adam makes it through, and Rose does not. I'm sure we could have all seen that coming. Well, this was one of the points that I was thinking while I was watching this. If we had been looking at, say, David Tennant's Doctor... Mm -hmm. I don't know that he could have done that. No. I don't know that he could have brought himself to make that decision to do that. You know, I don't even know that Matt Smith's doctor could have made that decision to do that. He would have hemmed and hawed, and Goddard would have had to jump in and hit the button if it was Tennant or Smith. Mm -hmm. Or he would have refused and found some other way. Now, I could see Peter Capaldi doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Only only because he had to, though. Right. he's (laughs) He's got the emotional fortitude to be able to do that. Uh, he and he and Eccleston are, are a bit alike that way. Yeah. Of course, while he has the emotional fortitude to be able to close the bulkhead, he's basically crossing his fingers, hoping, praying, everything that he can possibly do that Rose is going to get through in time. Mm-hmm. He misses it just barely. Missed it by that much. <laughs> <laughs> of course, after the bulkhead's been closed, you know, Rose is trapped and she's trying to reassure the doctor over the phone, you know, it's not your fault. And then we hear, Exterminate! And the laser blast and nothing. And we think that she's dead. And the doctor blames Van Satten for all of the deaths. You literally see him almost start to cry. Yeah. Now, now the first time I watched this episode, for the briefest of moments, I was seriously going, did they really just kill Rose? Is she dead? You know, did they really just kill her? Of course, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's not the case. And the Dalek can't understand why he didn't kill Rose. And we start to see, for the first time, the effects that Rose touching the Dalek and what the Dalek was able to absorb and extrapolate from Rose is actually having on it. And he's having emotions and that's not making sense. And he can't understand why he didn't kill Rose. And it's driving him nuts, basically. Now, if this had been a Joss Whedon episode, Rose would have been dead. Oh, deader than <laughs> I mean, she would have been dead about five times this episode. Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and it, no, what would have happened is she would have survived all the way up until, uh, you know, season two. And then uh, her father from the alternate universe would not have been able to save her when she was getting sucked into the vortex there to the void. That's what it would have happened. We haven't gotten that far yet. I know, I know. We, but... we have to review that one soon. <laughs> Details. That's what, but that's when Joss Whedon would have killed her. <laughs> anyway, the Dalek contacts the doctor... And orders him to unseal the doors. And of course, you know, the doctor goes, I can't kill her again. And so he does it. See, this is one of the things that I questioned. Because if they if they weren't going to have enough power 
to keep the doors open. How did they have enough power to open them again? You're not supposed to ask that question. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, but of course, the doctor looks to Adam for some sort of weapons to fight the Dalek with because Adam's got a bunch of uncatalogued stuff still in his lab. And he's like, nope, broken, 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 hair dryer. Yeah. Ah, here we go. I love you that. Know? I love that. <laughs> he's just nonchalant, hair dryer. Yep. You know, <laughs> and it looked like a space gun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he finds basically a, a cannon, a handheld cannon. And he starts heading back to where the Dalek will be. The Dalek has meanwhile reached Van Staten's office with Rose, which was probably the most awkward elevator ride Rose has ever had in her life. <laughs> Did you see that? And they're just standing there staring at the wall, you know? <laughs> oh, man. But the Dalek... Rushes into the office, threatening to kill Van Staten for torturing it. Oh, it, it even said, you want to hear me talk? Hear me talk. Right. <laughs> it's losing it about as much as the doctor is. Um, <laughs> and Rodas jumps in and tells it that it doesn't have to kill anymore. And asks what the Dalek wants besides killing people. And it says freedom. And you're like, mm -hmm. what? Dalek? Freedom? What? Huh? I don't understand. What, is that, what does that mean? What does that look like? You know? <laughs> what does a Dalek wanting freedom actually mean? You, mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense uh, in terms of the Daleks. And of course, they go up to the first sub-level. The Dalek blows a hole in the ceiling to the outside and wants to feel the sunlight. Because it's never felt sunlight before because it's always been in its tank. Right. And, of course, the Doctor appears there telling Rose to get out of the way. He's going to end the war. And Rose says, no, it's changing. It didn't kill Van Staten. It's, it's changing, but we don't know what it's changing into. The doctor's standing there with this gun that looks like some kind of space bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> it's like huge. Right. And what the doctor deduces has happened is that the DNA the Dalek absorbed from Rose is mutating the Dalek even further. And it's, it's becoming a hybrid. It's becoming another hybrid, which, of course, mm -hmm. is horrific to the Daleks. You know, that pure racial, you know, genetic racial purity yeah. is what they want, um, even though they've been, you know, genetically altered many times during their history. But in its mind, it's been corrupted. It, yes, this Dalek has been completely corrupted. And it can't accept the changes. Well, it's never felt any emotion before other than hatred. Right. And, you know, it's basically being so overwhelmed by emotion that it doesn't understand that it's literally mentally in every other way. It's beginning to just break down, you know. Right. Right. And it, it's not something that the Dalek can just, you know, work through and get used to and adjust to. No, it, it can't accept it. It, it literally. <laughs> Dalek. Dalek therapy. <laughs> no, no, the Dalek is not going to be able to get through this change with therapy. Uh, 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 uh. Get him a box of tissues. Get him a box of Dalek tissues. 
If you guys don't know what we're talking about and you haven't been listening to our episodes long enough, you need to go back and listen to some of the others. <laughs> Resurrection of the Daleks, I think. Uh, yeah. Yes. Where Davros needs Dalek to see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But the, the problem is with this new emotion, it can't just eliminate itself. The, the Dalek can't, you know, commit suicide on its own as a soldier with all these new emotions, it needs an order to do that. And it won't accept it from the doctor because the doctor's tried already. Yeah. <laughs> and it basically begs Rose to order it to kill itself. And when she says no, it freaks out and tells her to obey. You know, obey, obey, obey. And Which the logic she, here is kind of skewed anyway right. because it's giving her orders to give it orders. Right. You know, and that kind of shows just what kind of a state it's in. Yeah, it's oh. it's not in a, you know, stable Dalek state, which is unstable to begin with, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, it skews completely the other way, right. you know. <laughs> so she orders it to, you know, go ahead, do it, which is about as close as she could get to saying, yes, commit suicide, kill yourself. And the Dalek thanks her, closes back up, levitates about four feet in the air. All of the balls that are attached to the Dalek casing expand out and surround the Dalek, project an orb around it, yeah. and the Dalek basically implodes, killing itself. And one little tiny poof of smoke comes out of the middle of it when it's done. And that's it. Goddard is, you know, just done with Ben Staten. And with all the deaths that he's caused, over 200 people, she very smugly orders him to have his mind wiped and dumped in, <laughs> in Seattle, San Diego, Sacramento. Some places start letter. to an S. <laughs> and then she's basically going to just, uh, you know, yeah. fill in the vault with cement uh, and, and have it all be done with. So nobody else can take advantage of what secrets and technology they hold. They get back to the TARDIS, and the doctor says, you know, well, looks like the time war is finished. I win, you know. And he's so thrilled mm -hmm. about it. He actually looks like he's ripped apart about the whole thing. Right. Rose asks, well, since the Dalek survived, could the Time Lord survive as well? And he says, no, he would have felt it if they had, and it feels like there's no one there. Adam, of course, comes by and says, oh, well, we have to leave. They're going to fill this place up. We can't stay here. We have to go. And, of course, the doctor and Rose have this sort of veiled discussion about bringing Adam with him. She's like, well, he's always wanted to see, you know, all these things. You know, couldn't couldn't he come with us? And he goes, well, it's kind of pretty, isn't he? Oh, I hadn't noticed. You know, right? your responsibility. Okay. You know, uh, well, basically, you know, on your own head. And Adam's like, what, you know, what are you talking about? And, they, you know, the two of them disappear into the TARDIS. And very confusedly, you know, as we hear the TARDIS start up, he walks in to see why they went into this box and uh, it de dematerializes and the episode ends. But the, the, the way that he just walks in there and it just ends, it, it was very classic Doctor oh, Who. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely. It, it you, felt you like... expected the freeze frame and then... Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like uh, actually some of the episodes with uh, the fourth Doctor, I thought. Yeah, towards, yeah. Know, the way that they directed some of those. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on this episode before we give it our rating? Uh, I honestly felt like that it was a really good reintroduction, of, especially for people that have never seen any classic who at all. Mm -hmm. 
because it took everything that you pretty much needed to know about the Daleks and basically gave you the nutshell version of it. You know, it gave you just enough information to know exactly what it was, where it came from and what was going on with it without overwhelming you with all the history. The only thing that I think I would have personally liked to uh, have a little bit more of that exposition for is I think I would have liked it if the doctor had told Rose a little bit more about Davros. You know, not necessarily tell everybody else, but tell Rose because, you know, she's supposed to be his confidant. And so there's certain things that he would tell her that he wouldn't tell the rest of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, Davros was still presumed dead at that point. So, you know, there's, you know, not no real need to at this point, you know, especially when he's trying to see the end of the time war. You know, we don't really Mm -hmm. it's no time for history lessons, you know, (laughs) but but the thing I like best about this um, is if you have seen the classic series or if you've been just tracking along with, you know, our reviews of it and you've been hearing us talk about how the doctor seems to getting be getting more and more angry and, and pissed basically at yeah. like each time he encounters them. This is the climax of all that. This yeah. is the payoff. You know, we've been seeing him get progressively more and more upset, more angry, you know, less merciful towards the Daleks. Uh, as as things have gone along, and this was the payoff. This yeah. is so good in that respect um, that it almost doesn't matter, you know, that the Daleks keep coming back after this, you know, because of that, um, you know, because it it, it 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 pays off so nicely uh, with what we had coming before it. Right. It's just his performance alone does that, you know. No, I think that the story we've got coming next uh, expands upon that. Right. And and maybe even uh, once you're finished watching that story, you might even see how it even possibly damages the Doctor a little more, mm-hmm. um, which you know can directly lead into some of the personality quirks of the Tenth Doctor. But... We'll save that until our next episode. Exactly. (laughs) So how many Daleks would you give this episode? I'm just going to say this for me was pretty close to being flawless in the way that it was executed. I think the only real qualm that I had was what I mentioned before about the doors. If you don't have enough power to keep them open, then how can you reopen them, you know, after they've been closed? Right. Uh, that's just one of those small little plot holes, you know. But other than that, I thought that the story was absolutely great, even in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that the performances were pretty much spot on, you know. Uh, there wasn't a single performance in this episode that took me out of the story, you know, and that's important for me. I want it to be a believable enough performance that I never stop to think about this being a TV show. If if you can do that, you've pulled me in, you know, and that's that's one of the things that that I noticed about this from beginning to end. There wasn't a single thing in it that took me out of it. So I'm going to say. Hey, I'm just going to give it a 9 out of 10. Very cool. Yeah. Oh man, I this is a this is a tough one. I I think I think the only reason that I won't give it a 9, I'm going to give this an 8 and a half. Okay. Me. 
Uh, and the only reason I'm not going to give it a nine or higher uh, is just because there's, and I know this isn't the point of it, uh, but it's just, you know, sort of my, my personal tastes when it comes to Doctor Who. Right. Um, is that I think it it missed some of the the more lighthearted moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it missed a, a little bit of the whimsy. The heavy episode. And don't right. get me wrong, some of but them, that's, especially that's, once... See, that's one of the things I liked about it, though. Right. So, you know, it's a, and, and, and don't it's a taste wrong, thing. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I like heavy episodes, especially very impactful and, you know, has, uh, you know, effects on, on everything to do with the Doctor and the Daleks, you know, from before and after this. And uh, it's brilliant and great. I think heavy episodes work best when there's a little bit of humor to counterbalance some of that. And there really wasn't much of that in this. You know, you had, Almost none. You know, they, you had the, you know, bookends of, you know, you know, some, you know, send them somewhere with the letter blah, you know, letter right. M or letter S, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, you bookended it like that. And that's sort of like, hey, you know, <laughs> there's your, your, you know. Really, the only lightheartedness that you had was right at the very beginning when they were talking about, you know, where they were with the Cyberman head. And then right at the very, very end, right before they got in the TARDIS and everything else in between that was dark. Yeah. Yeah. And and just, you know, as a personal taste, I think if you had had a little bit more humor in there, I would have liked it better. But that's just a personal taste thing. It's still a brilliant, brilliant episode and, and you know, one of my favorites, if not my favorite, from Christopher Eccleston's run. The only thing that might uh knock that off is the World War Two two parter. Uh, the uh, the empty child. The empty child and the doctor dances. Yeah, uh, which are is just oh, I love that. Which but, we will not be reviewing yet, but we might be talking a little bit about bits and pieces of it when he, when we talk about some of the next episodes' characters. Right. But yeah, so I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I will say this, and this is something that really stood out to me uh, in the scenes where all of the soldiers were being wiped out by the doll. Like, I really enjoyed the way they used the music in that in that scene because they had the choral, you know, symphonic soundtrack in the background and that really made it feel a lot more cinematic to me yeah um and it actually made me wish that we could have had some of that type of music and some of the classic stuff because that one thing to me was what really made that scene that much more dynamic in my mind was the way they used that music. And I think if they had had something similar to that in some of the other scenes where the Daleks were wiping out some of the people and things like that, that you could have still had that same really dynamic feel to that. You know, it would have made it made it feel even more powerful and more like there was something to lose. Yeah. And and the. uh the choral music that we get in this episode with the Dalek uh, sticks around mm-hmm. the series, the new series, and uh, becomes sort of their their theme when when they're on the march, basically. So, uh, I just thought that was interesting. I, I thought that that was something that made this stand out a little bit more over some of the classic stuff that we've watched. Yeah, I agree. All right, well. This has been fun. We we finally hit the the new series in our Dalek episode reviews, and we'll be continuing with that next episode. Next episode, we're doing a two parter. Yes, Bad Wolf 
and the Parting of the Ways. That's right. Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways uh, next episode, so look forward to that. And we're going to just keep moving right along with these Dalek episode reviews, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm having a I'm having a blast with this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying being able to see how, even between the classic series and the, and the revival series, how these stories just kind of feel like they flow together. Yeah, how the, the writers and the showrunners are working very hard to keep it all in the same universe and have what happened in the past impact and influence what happens as they create new content. And I think it shows a lot of respect for the classic series. Indeed. All right. Well, this is great. I, I, if you want to, you know, comment on this episode or any of our future episodes, you know where to get in contact with us. You know, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. You can always tweet us at, at Talking Time Lord on Twitter or email us at Talking Time Lords at gmail.com. All of the links to our social media, as well as links to each and every one of our previously released episodes, is available on our website, TalkingTimeLords.com. That's our TARDIS on the internet. And <laughs> if you listen to us via iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or any other sort of pod tracker, please take a moment of your time to leave us a rating or review, or both. The more positive reviews we get, the higher we go on the rating scale, so that we will be able to have more people find out about us. Yes. And we want to have, you know, all of you guys engaged in our, our community here, and we want to get your thoughts on these episodes, especially moving forward, as I'm sure there will be more of you more familiar with uh, some of these newer episodes than some of the classic episodes that we've been reviewing here up until now. So, Oh, and for those of you that are not aware, uh, we actually have voicemail now on our website. So if you'd rather send us a voicemail that we could listen to rather than an email, uh, you can contact us that way, too. Exactly. Just go to TalkingTimeLords.com, and there's a bar up at the top on the right-hand side, and it stays there, no matter what page you're on. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else, Paul, before we wrap up this episode? I really want to do our next one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, patience. Patience. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 42, Dalek Story Review. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope for our flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.
Exterminate! Exterminate! Elevate! <laughs> okay.